This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 11th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. Cutting federal spending for the long term will require a spending cap with teeth. Freshman U.S. Senator Mike Lee proposes a constitutional balanced budget amendment. At the Cato Institute in April, Lee discussed his plan, which has since become part of a so-called cut, cap, and balance plan. The full event is available at Cato.org. We are in a situation in the United States that is unprecedented. People like to say, look, we've been in difficult circumstances before, and that's true, we have. But I do believe, as a, as a popular book uh, suggests, that this time it's different. Uh, this time we, we have a national debt that is fast approaching $15 trillion, which is an awful lot of money. It's an amount of money that a lot of Americans don't make in a whole year. <laughs> It's an amount of money that, when divided by 300 million Americans, works out to about $50,000 a head. Uh, Depending on how you do the math, one could argue that it works out to about $150,000 per American wage earner. Uh, This is an enormous sum. And our debt-to-gross domestic product ratio is, depending on which metric you follow, uh, arguably it is fast approaching 100%. Now, one of the reasons this matters is that there are very reliable studies that have shown in economy after economy that when a a nation's uh, public debt crosses the 90% of debt-to-GDP threshold, the sort of laws of physics, the laws of gravity, you might say, that affect the economy start to change. Economic growth can be slowed by as much as half Uh, of where it would otherwise be in a particular year. In an economy as large as ours, this could make a difference of as many as a million jobs in a year. Uh, This is not a hypothetical problem. This is not an abstract problem that will affect only future generations. This is a real immediate problem, especially when you consider what will happen just in the next few years unless we dramatically change the way we spend money in Washington. By the end of this decade, even according to fairly optimistic projections, we are likely to be paying about a trillion dollars every year just in interest on national debt. Our, our annual federal outlays right now are at about $3.7, $3.8 trillion. Now, 10 years from now, we'll be spending that much money just on interest coupled with entitlements. There won't be anything left for national defense, or for the operations of government. It'll all be swallowed up um, before it even comes in. Uh, This is very dangerous. Now, it used to be that balancing the budget and uh, calls for fiscal restraint were something that were pitched quite predictably from the right. Uh, I believe that the time will come very soon when the calls will have to start to come, both from the right and the left, for fiscal responsibility. Because regardless of what government program you're most concerned about protecting, whether it's national defense on the one hand or whether it's entitlements on the other hand, you should be concerned about balancing the budget. You should be concerned about changing the way we spend. Because if we don't do that, every single government program, every single one, will be placed in grave jeopardy. This reminds me a little bit of, uh, uh, of a story, a personal story that I'd like to share. Um, 
I lost my both of my maternal grandparents uh, about five or six years ago. It was very close to them. They were in their mid-90s by the time they died. Um, they, they were um, both a source of inspiration to me uh, growing up and some of my closest personal friends. But they got to a point as they approached their mid-90s when we could see that their ability to operate their vehicle a very lovely uh, Oldsmobile 98, not 1998, but that was the model of car. Uh, incidentally, both sets of my grandparents had Oldsmobile 98s. It was something about grandparents of that generation. They had to have one of those. But we would increasingly see these um, broad scratches on the side of the car. And it turns out the more they drove, the more they were sideswiping cars. They were just getting older. They couldn't operate their vehicle quite the way that they could years earlier. And we, we, we loved them in their old age as much as we ever had before. And yet we knew that there were people all over town who were being threatened as to their physical safety and their property if we allowed them to continue operating their vehicle. We at one point had to have some very awkward discussions with them, and ultimately that resulted in our taking the keys to their beloved Oldsmobile 98 away from them, simply because although we loved them and we loved their ability to remain at liberty, to drive around town as they saw fit, to go to the grocery store, we couldn't justify the harm that they presented to other members of the community as they drove around because their their senses had deteriorated to the point that they presented a real safety risk. I think Congress and the way it's been spending can fairly be analogized to my late grandparents. May they rest in peace. We, we love this government. We love the things that it does, that it stands for. And because we love it and because we love those affected by it, we can't allow it to be in a position where it's harming other people. And unfortunately, just like my grandparents couldn't simply be told, you've got to be more careful and thereafter be expected to, in fact, be more careful and be better drivers. Congress can't simply be told again, you've got to be more careful. We have to put Congress in what I refer to as an economic straitjacket. The only way that I know of to do that, the only permanent, reliable, relatively foolproof way to do that involves a constitutional amendment. Now, there are other things that we can do and should do in the short term to get us there. But the reason I believe a constitutional amendment is necessary is because otherwise Congress has a tendency over time, when it comes time to make difficult decisions, to simply change the very laws that would otherwise require them to curtail spending. A hero of mine since I was in high school is uh, former Senator Phil Graham, who I'm pleased to see here today. I was a huge fan of the Graham-Rudman-Hollings legislation. It was uh, an absolute... Uh, genius piece of legislation. And I, I, I wish that Congress had stuck to the plan and Congress had not found a way around it because it would have worked. Legislation like that tends to work. It tends to work at least for a few years until it gets really difficult. That's why I believe we need a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution. Let me tell you about the, the amendment that I have proposed and that has garnered the support of all 47 Republicans in the U.S. Senate. It, would, it says, in effect, Congress may not spend more than it takes in in any given year, that, that outlays may not exceed revenues in any particular fiscal year. 
It also says that Congress may not spend more than 18 percent of gross domestic product in any given year. And in most circumstances, the only way around that is for Congress to vote by a majority of two-thirds of both houses of Congress to approve noncompliance with that and a a particular um, uh, excess of the prescribed amounts for a particular year, making it possible but rare and very difficult for Congress to spend more than it takes in in a year. Now, the question sometimes arises, why 18% of GDP? We measured over a 40- to 50-year period the, the average of federal revenue to GDP, and we found that the average stood at just about 18%. And so in order to lock that in and see that it doesn't increase further, we thought that was a good place uh, uh, to lock it in. Incidentally, 100 years ago, we were spending only about 2 to 2.5% of GDP at the federal level. That gradually but steadily rose and, and, until we got to where we are today, which is where we're spending more than 25% of GDP every year. That means out of every dollar that moves through the U.S. economy, more than a quarter gets diverted and sent to Washington, where it goes basically to die, or in relative terms. It's not like where it moves into the private sector, where you can anticipate that it will be invested and then it will have the same multiplier effect as it has elsewhere. The reason we need to do this is because ultimately... Spending restrictions, spending limitations get difficult to comply with. And when they get difficult to comply with, you want Congress not to have the ability simply to opt out. This tendency in Congress to opt out when it gets difficult reminds me of the famous quote uh, by by St. Augustine, who said prior to his sainthood, Lord, grant me chastity, but not yet. Just don't make me do it now because it's too hard right now. I'll do it later. We have to have Congress in a position where it can't simply opt out. Now, I believe you heard from my, my colleague, Senator Corker, a little while ago, who's, who's proposed the, uh, the Corper, Corker Cap Act. I applaud this approach, and I think it is a very positive step in the right direction. Uh, the, the Corker legislation is statutory rather than constitutional, And what it does is it sets up uh, what he describes as a 10-year glide path to bring us down to 20.6% of GDP per year in federal spending. Uh, It it, it doesn't take it as low as I would like or or as Bob Corker would like, but he wrote this in such a way as to maximize uh, the chances of getting something passed this year. And so uh, although it doesn't go as far as I would like it to, I applaud that effort. And I believe that both are necessary. A constitutional amendment takes several years to put in place. And the amendment that is now co-sponsored by all 47 Republicans in the Senate uh, would not take effect until five years following ratification by three-fourths of the states. So we would need a statutory provision in place to sort of set us on that glide path uh, so that uh, the, the shock to the system could more easily be absorbed uh, once the constitutional amendment fully kicked in. I do believe that America's best days are yet ahead of us. I do believe that the balanced budget amendment can pass and that it will pass, notwithstanding the fact that the cuts that have to be made are difficult. The fact that the balanced budget amendment takes several years to kick in 
makes it a little bit easier to remember what St. Augustine said and say, uh, you know, grant me chastity, but not yet. Grant me fiscal responsibility, but delay it for a few years. It gives Congress a few years to get its house in order. The American people overwhelmingly support a balanced budget amendment. And that's why I believe that you'll see, in addition to the 47 Republicans in the Senate, uh, you'll see a lot of Democrats joining ranks with us as well. We have to get to 67 votes. We're out to find those votes. And I hope that each of you will join me in calling those people out to have them join us. And then we'll move on to the House. Our best years may indeed be ahead of us, but we have to sometimes in order to preserve things that we love and and preserve the interest and the safety of others that might be harmed by those that we love, sometimes we have to take the keys away. And so I'm asking you to join me in helping us take the keys away from Congress in its pattern of perpetual deficit spending. Thank you very much. Mike Lee is a Republican U.S. Senator from Utah. He spoke at a conference on federal spending at the Cato Institute in April. Watch the full event at Cato.org.